It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year Oh man, I, I hope that took you back uh, like it did me uh, singing those songs again. That was incredible. Hey, uh, I love the story about the little boy that had to write a report about his family. And quite frankly, he's sitting at home kind of at the table and he's got writer's block. He doesn't know what to say. So he jumps down from his chair and goes into the kitchen where his mom's cooking dinner. And without any warning, he just kind of asks her, mom, how was I born? And I mean, you know, she knew the day was coming the name she was going to have to talk to him about that. But she was busy. This was not going to be that day. And so she just looked at him and said, well, honey, the, you know, the stork brought you. And he kind of was confused a little bit, but he walked away. He went into the living room where his grandma was, uh, and she was reading, and she asked a similar question. Grandma, how was, how was mom born? And, and grandma was a very proper southern woman. She didn't talk about those kind of things. And so she looked at him and said, well, sweetie, the stork brought her. And he said, well, how were you born? And she said, well, the stork brought me as well. Uh, he was, uh, I don't know, he went back to his desk to begin work on his paper for school. And the first line of his report said, after a little bit of research, I have realized there's not been a normal birth in my family for three generations. <laughs> so say what you will about the Christmas story. But one thing is for sure, the, the birth of Jesus is anything but normal. And it, and it brought, by the way, because of that, it brought tremendous pressure on all those involved, the least of whom was not Joseph, who we're going to look at this morning. So if this is your first time with us, thanks for being here uh, at MCC, uh, here on campus, there online. Thanks for joining us there as well. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here. And we've been, as we walk toward Christmas uh, and Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, we're in a series that we're calling uh, Holiday Field Guide. And our hope is to help all of us actually just kind of survive and maybe even enjoy and celebrate the holidays, right? So today we're going to deal with being disillusioned because we know that's a significant issue. My guess is for many in our room and with us online, my guess is for many of our friends, uh, the folks that we work with, for sure people in our culture, especially around the holidays. And it's easy for some of us, we get so caught up in the lights and the gifts and, and, and even the pace that we keep, it just changes the pace of Christmas, uh, that we don't notice that there are others who are, quite frankly, a little disillusioned about faith because of the very things that get us excited about it. Listen, I mentioned that we're going to be uh, looking at Joseph. Joel Gregory called Joseph the forgotten man of Christmas. And, and, and while that may seem true, because because he seems to be in the background a lot. He actually plays a major role. Listen, I've, I've heard this saying. Let's see, I'm sure you have too. See if, I'll start it. You see if you can finish it. Actions speak louder than words, right? And so this may surprise you. Don't even know if you've ever noticed this or not. But I put this in the notes on the YouVersion Bible app, right? Uh, there is not one recorded word from Joseph in the Bible. Do you notice that? Zero words from him. But his actions make this huge statement, right, about his faith and about love and about commitment. Now, we're going to look at the same verses we looked at last week. Uh, and, and we saw last week, Josh walked us through Mary and Joseph's example 
uh, of faithfulness and righteousness. This week, we're going to zero right in on Joseph. So check this out in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So last week, uh, Josh got us started by talking about how their faithfulness to God in their decisions, it was the best way for not only for them, but for us to celebrate the birth of our king. But a lot happened between verses 18 and 19. Verse 18 says that Joseph and Mary were pledged to each other. And for those who missed last week, you didn't hear what Josh had to say. Uh, and because this is very different from what we do today, the pledging uh, that is referred to here is a more serious matter than our notion of engagement, which is typically how we, we tend to think of this. But it was a formal prenuptial contract that was entered into by the couple with, with witnesses. And it actually gave Joseph legal rights over Mary, which could only be broken by a formal process of divorce. Now, this part of the marriage process is actually part two of three parts uh, it usually took place when the bride was between 12 and 13 years old, and it lasted about a year. It, it's short of marriage, which is, by the way, the third and final phase. And it's during this time that Mary would still be living with her parents. And of course, as we would think, they could not be uh, involved sexually uh, uh, together. So when Luke tells this story, the reason I point all of that out is I want to, Luke gives us this detail that Matthew doesn't. Look at what Luke says in, in chapter 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When Mary returned three months later, look at verse 18, it says she was found to be with child. In other words, physically, you can tell, you can now tell that she is, she's pregnant. And I only read the first part of the verses we're going to look at today because that's all the information that Joseph had at that moment. So what I want you to do is step back and put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Mary had left town with no recorded goodbye to Joseph, still reeling from the angel's announcement, trying to process what that meant to her. She didn't inform Joseph that an angel had appeared to her. He probably found out that Mary was gone uh, from her family and that she'd gone on this extended visit to the hill country to see an Aunt Elizabeth. Uh, she's gone for three long months. When she returns, she's visibly pregnant, and he draws this obvious and yet still wrong conclusion that while she's been away or maybe even before she left, that she'd met someone else and she'd been unfaithful to him. Can you imagine how he must have felt when he discovered that she was pregnant? He must have been speechless. I would think sick to his stomach, devastated, heartbroken. He didn't know what to do. If he went ahead and married her, as soon as she began to show, everyone would assume that he was the father and it would ruin his reputation. He'd have to raise a son that wasn't his. He'd have to live with a woman that obviously had been unfaithful to him. And yet if he made a public explanation of their separation, Mary was going to be disgraced. And by law, by law, she could be stoned to death. What should he do? What would you have done? If you'd been in his situation, what would you have done? This process that Joseph went through was, was, was well done. If you've seen the movie Journey to Bethlehem, if you haven't, I recommend it. Uh, it's very creative. If you have, but there's this scene in the movie where you see Joseph fighting with himself over this very decision. How do you respond 
when you're disillusioned. Now, there's a lady who went to see a marriage counselor. She said, I thought I married the ideal. What I got, though, was a raw deal, and now I want a new deal. Um, I hope you haven't been there. But Joseph experienced all of those emotions before the wedding even took place. I love the story that uh, Paul Harvey uh, used to tell about an airline stewardess. She was being harassed by a slightly inebriated uh, guy in first class uh, who was making passes at her, trying to get her uh, to meet him in his hotel suite that night. With some difficulty, she got away from him, worked her way toward the back of the airplane where another guy began to hit on her as well, making suggestive proposals about that night. Finally, the pilot announced that they were making their final approach for landing, and once again, the guy in the front offered her a, ho a key to his hotel suite and begged for her to meet him there. To his obvious delight, she accepted his key and put it in her pocket. Then she worked her way towards the back of the plane, uh, and when she got there, she took the key out of her pocket and gave it to the other guy and said, don't be late. Um, those are going to be some disillusioned men uh, later that night. Listen, have you ever been disillusioned? Something happens that's totally unexpected. You can be disillusioned by a person, right? You confided in them this secret they swore they'd never tell. And then they did. Or you married someone who said they would love you and only death could separate you. And he was unfaithful. Maybe you've been disillusioned by possessions. You bought this new car and it just was not what you were hoping it would be. Or the gift under the tree, you really thought you knew what it was and it wasn't at all what you had expected. Sometimes you can be disillusioned by events. You thought you knew what you should be able to expect. The, the, the time that you were going to have was going to be great, but things didn't turn out at all like you had hoped that it would. Vacations can be like that. First dates can be like that. Family reunions can be like that. Parties can be like that. The last game of the regular season can be, you know, <laughs> like that. Maybe you're even disillusioned a little bit by the holidays. For many people, Christmas is the most, like the song, right? The most wonderful time of the year. Parties and programs to attend and family and friends to visit and gifts to give and gifts to receive. But for other people, and my guess is you know people like this, my other guess would be that some of us are people like this. First three and a half weeks of December are the 25 longest days of the year. I don't know if you've ever noticed that tucked inside the word disillusionment is the word illusion. Joseph had created this illusion of what he thought marriage ought to be, and when his plans went south, he wanted to throw in the towel. And it's, listen, I realize, listen, this, we, can't, we can't overstate how different this situation was. Please don't hear me saying this was normal or anything like that. This was a special circumstance. But often we become disillusioned with people or even the holidays for that matter because we place this unrealistic expectation on them or on these dates. We anticipate uh, perfection. And when that doesn't work out, we become frustrated. Sometimes it can even, I mean, we can become depressed because of that. I don't know if you've ever built anything up so much in your mind only to have it come crashing down. Well, Joseph surely understands that problem. His ideal became a raw deal, and then he wanted to find a new deal. The question becomes, how how did he get from there to where we know he goes? How did he, what steps did he take? Because the walk he made is the same one that we have to make this time of year. And if it's not our steps, for sure we've got a friend who needs to know this information. So if you want to live on mission this Christmas, 
The first thing you've got to do if you're dealing with disillusionment is you need to be sensitive to other people. In verse 19, we read that because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I mean, you know what the decision for him was, right? He was hurt. He was embarrassed. It was an opportunity to nurse his bruised ego by publicly shaming Mary. But he just couldn't do it. And in verse 19, it says that Joseph was a just man, one who does what is right. That's what Josh hit last week. And it, it just can't be overstated. I've mentioned it three times already this week, and it's not even what the message is about. It was last week's message, not even this week's message. But we have to begin there. But that word also implies that Joseph was tender and kind and merciful. He knew what the law called for, and as hurt as he was, he still loved Mary, and he wanted what was best for her as well. So he determined to divorce her quietly. Even when he was reeling over the news of her pregnancy, he didn't look to ruin her reputation. He didn't want to drag her name through the mud. He was sensitive to her situation, and he did everything. He had his mind, his plan was to do everything he could to protect her feelings. And sometimes it's just so easy to become self-absorbed during the holidays, particularly if things aren't going the way we had hoped that they would go. We start to focus on all the things going wrong in our lives, and we forget that there are others around us who have needs as well. And the truth is, if you're struggling right now, other people are too. Listen, other people have lost loved ones, just like you have. Uh, other people need money or are fighting cancer or have family members who are serving overseas. I got a call from one of my family members who's headed to the border right now. Listen, often one of the best ways to reflect Jesus is to find a way to serve someone else. And some of you have already been experiencing that. I know that our angel tree is wrapping up and the gifts are being distributed, I believe, this week. And you've been involved in making that happen for families around our area. And that's incredible. Others of you are planning now how you can be involved in the Christmas offering where we get to... Provide. We're working to provide Bible lessons for students, for children, right here in Miamisburg, not on school property, but during school hours. By the way, the percentage of children who participate in LifeWise Academy in the communities that I've talked to uh, who do not go to church anywhere is around 90%. 90% of kids who, don't, who would not be in a building like this today will go to that class during the week. Listen, Christmas can be an excuse for disillusionment or an opportunity to share joy. We get to choose what we're going to be involved in. Here's another way that you can live on mission, especially at Christmas time. If you're going to do that, you need to expect an angel to show up. That's what happened next in verse 20. But after he'd considered this, after he thought about this whole divorce proceeding, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. It's interesting, when Joseph reached the lowest point in his life, God sent an angel to clarify the situation, and he made sure that Joseph received the reassurance that he needed in that moment. Listen, when disillusionment catches you by surprise, I, I want to, God has a surprise inside the surprise, all right? So here's the first part of it, because sometimes living on mission means that, that he'll send me an angel. I get an angel. A Christian singer, Tammy Trent, 
tells a story that happened a while ago. Her husband and her were on vacation in Jamaica. It was 21 years ago. He had gone scuba diving. Something went terribly wrong, and he drowned. Uh, his death occurred uh, just after the September 11th attacks, and so not only could she not get back to the United States, none of her family or friends could get to her. And so she's there all by herself. She's in this hotel room sobbing over her loss, and she just keeps praying to God, God, I can't get through this. I need you to send me an angel. I, I need just, just one to wrap his arms around me and hold me. Please, God. She said about that time, she heard a knock at the door, and there was her angel. She was dressed in the uniform of a Hilton cleaning woman, but she said, I knew God sent her to me. And seeing her face, the woman said, are you all, are you all right? Tammy said, I fought back the tears. I said, no. And she said, you're grieving, aren't you? Then she put all of her supplies down and took her in her arms and, and, and uh, sobbed on her shoulder. And she said, are you a Christian? Can I pray with you? She said, this cleaning woman prayed the most comforting prayer she'd ever heard. She said, finally, when I gained my composure, I just sat there reading my Bible while she cleaned the room. And as she cleaned, she was singing these hymns and, and choruses, one right after another. She said, I prayed for God to come to me, and he did through her. Listen, God may not have sent Gabriel on that day, but that cleaning lady was an angel to Tammy when she was in need. Sometimes we receive an angel. That's a surprise. Here's maybe a bigger surprise. Sometimes we are the angel that God sends. And it goes right back to the first thought about being sensitive to others. You never know when God might use you in the life of someone else around you. You may be in just the right time, at just the right, uh, in the right place at the right time. And if you're just paying attention, if you're just being sensitive to the needs of the people around you, you may get to be God's representative to them in their life at that moment. But that's going to require, by the way, uh, walking with God day by day. Listen, every day God gave Joseph, or every time God gave Joseph instructions, Joseph followed them immediately. So just some thoughts for us, because sometimes I don't think we take this into consideration, but was it always easy to do what God said? No. <laughs> was it inconvenient from time to time? <laughs> Most certainly. Did it always make sense? Did he always understand? No. The truth is, sometimes obedience is costly, but Joseph took Mary home as his wife, just like God said. And eight days after the Christ child was born, Joseph named the baby Jesus, just like God told him to. And later, when Herod threatened the life of that baby, Joseph took his family and fled to Egypt, just like God said. Here's that we don't know much about Joseph from Scripture, but the little we do know shows a man who faced incredible challenges and pressures and responsibilities. And every time he did, he responded by following God. So if you are experiencing disillusionment this season, maybe, listen, let me suggest maybe you're just clutching your shopping bags a little too tightly. Maybe you're rushing off to parties and frantically trying to stay happy because there's nothing in your life that's really worth holding on to. Listen, because of our enemy and frankly, because of other people, we're going to face disillusionment until we decide to walk with God daily. It's only going to be trusting in Him and walking with Him that will get us through it, because we'll still face it, but we have a way to walk through it at that point. All right, let me give you one more. If we're going to live on mission this Christmas, I have to be open to an encounter with God. 
That's verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Is it too much to admit in a church setting that sometimes we miss the holidays, the joy of the holidays, because we miss the Jesus in the holidays? We spend way too much time online getting and wrapping and decorating and rushing that we forget whose birthday it is. We get so busy preparing for the party that we forget to invite the guest of honor. I just want to say this Tuesday we have a family coming over because one of them is going to make their commitment to Jesus through their baptism. And I know that others of us are thinking about that decision as well, trying to figure out if that's the decision that you need to make. Also, I know that because you've talked to us about it. That, that could be your next step before Christmas ever gets here is to give your life to him. I just want to say that if that's what you're thinking about, Shelby and I will be down front here after services today. Uh, we'd be glad to talk to you about that and help you make that decision. Listen, I read a story about Henry Carter, who was a preacher and administrator of a home for emotionally disturbed children. And Christmas Eve, as you can imagine, was always a difficult time for the kids. Usually about three-fourths of them got to go home, but the rest of them, there are always those who had to stay behind. And so Henry and his family would do everything they could to make that time special for the the kids who remained. And one year on Christmas Eve, Henry came home from a speaking engagement. It was just before dinner. The house mother told him that Tommy had crawled under his bed and was refusing to come out. So Mr. Carter went into the room to talk to him and said, Tommy, we're, we're going to have a Christmas party. Don't you want to come out and go to the Christmas party? Silence. So he knelt down and, 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 and looked under the bed, and there was Tommy pressed up against the wall, far as far into the bed as he could get his big eyes, blue eyes just filled with sadness. So he got down on all fours, and Henry said, Tommy, we have this beautiful tree. If you come out, I'll show you the tree. Tommy just looked at him. Carter knew that he could reach underneath the bed, just drag him out by his feet if that's what he wanted to do, but he really didn't want to do that. And even though he was dressed in a suit and a tie, he laid down on his stomach and said, Tommy, we're going to sing Christmas carols. We sure wish you'd come sing Christmas carols with us. Tommy didn't even move. So you know what Henry did? He wiggled his body so that he could get under that bed, snagged his suit, by the way, and with his cheek pressed on the dusty floor, he sat there looking at Tommy and told him about the turkey dinner and the Christmas presents. And then finally, he just ran out of things to say. He didn't say anything. They were just laying on the floor underneath that bed looking at each other. He said, but it was at that moment he felt this little hand grab his. You know, when we were separated from God, kind of like Tommy, hiding underneath that bed, God could have left us there completely hopeless, or he could have grabbed us by the ankle and drug us out from under that bed, but that's not what he wanted to do. Instead, in humility, he took on flesh, crawled under the bed, into the dust, so that he could prove to you and to me how much he loves us. And by the way, I want you to know, he still wants you to know how much he cares. Because it's important at Christmas to know this isn't just a story about a long time ago. It's a story that reminds us that he loves you. And we need to hear that he loves us. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I don't know that we can hear how much God loves us enough. I like what Molly Brown wrote. It's in the notes on the YouVersion app. 
Christmas is love tugging man back to God with the powerful grasp of a tiny hand reaching out from a bed of straw. Which, by the way, is why during Christmas, and I tell you this every year, I know, but how much I love this, that our cross has the manger beneath it. Because this season, the manger, they remind us that Jesus came. The cross reminds us why he came. And we can't separate those. He came to forgive you and me of our sins because he loves us. And so we're going to take a moment. We're going to stop and remember that together as an act of worship. But Jesus came because he loves us. He was born that he might die for our sins so that we might have the hope, not just in this life, but in the life to come. And so let's go to him in prayer, and then we'll remember together. Father, we are grateful for this story. We love this story. There's so much adventure, and and we tend to weave some romance in there, and intrigue, and and a crazy king, and, and people traveling from distant lands to worship the king, and shepherds who are in the field, and angels. It's just, there's so much going on in this story that's so, so simple to understand that you would take on flesh and come to earth for us. And it's easy to hear that part of the story of your life, Jesus. But all of it points to the fact that you came to give your life on the cross. And so this morning, that's what we want to remember. We want to remember that we had a sin problem. We have a sin problem. We have a sin struggle. We still struggle with sin. Even those of us who belong to you, we still struggle with it. And we need your help and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. But we also come to recommit ourselves to you because we made a promise to you through our baptism. We made the promise of a pure heart to you. And we need your help in keeping that promise. And we're grateful that you do that. So we come to remember and we come to recommit and we come to say yes to what we see in your word about how to live on mission in our world today, especially with so much disillusionment around us. Help us to be aware. Help us to pay attention. It's still, we still have time to help people see you this Christmas before it gets past them. So God, help us, we pray. And we remember you now. And thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for our sins. So we pray this in your name. Amen. And so we take the bread that reminds us of Jesus' body that was given for us, that our sins might be taken away. of his blood that was shed for us on the cross that we might remember that as he has loved us he calls us to go and influence other people for the sake of his kingdom we do that by remembering and so we remember Jesus for this moment we love to draw near the manger help us not to forget that the cross was never far from it Help us remember that the difference you make in our lives 
you'll make through our lives and into those of our friends and our family. So God, we pray for your help with that. But right now, we just help us to take a moment to be honest with you about where we are in our walk with you. And so if you would, I'm just going to ask you to conclude that prayer by talking to God about where you are with him right now. Thank you.